Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crowell and today I'm joined by Andy Skinner and Paul Chalk. It's a North double dunt as well as Danny Law who is very much in the North East of Scotland, Bankery to be precise I believe. Uh, how are we guys? All good, thanks Ryan, yeah. They know where he lives, they know where he lives. Um, so yeah, watch what you say on this one, Danny. We'll of course be discussing Aberdeen's Premiership opener at Celtic and looking ahead to their St Mirren first home game of the season on Saturday. Ross County, how unfortunate were they at Tynecastle having played so well in the first half to go down to a defeat in Inverness. Don't know if we're calling that an underwhelming start against Queen's Park for Cali Thistle. We'll be discussing Cove. I think they, they surprised us. We were talking about how many wins we'd get this weekend. I'm not sure if any of us would have had Cove down for such a comprehensive win over Wraith Rovers at the Balmoral Stadium. Stadium, And we've also got Peterhead and Elgin City to discuss as well. As always, they got their seasons underway last weekend too. But yes, Aberdeen going down 2-0 to Celtic. Goals either side of half-time. The, well, I say the first one was either side of half-time, but it was actually uh, very early, just a couple of minutes into the game. I think, was it three minutes, Andy? Yeah, less than three minutes in. Less than three minutes. Uh, so, yeah, well, nightmare between, start. <laughs> between two and three minutes then, so I was right in the in the ballpark for that one. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a bad start, and I don't know. I, I feel, um, having watched the game also, that we couldn't really ignore the, fe- the effect that on the team of the whole... Liam Scales, Ross McCrory situation, Liam Scales being a Celtic player on loan at the Dons, not being able to play, which meant Ross McCrory had to come, because of a lack of defensive options, uh, Ross McCrory had to come back in the centre-back. I felt that the team maybe would have started the game better without that disruption, but maybe I'm just, you know, I'm trying to pin it on something that wasn't really the issue and the Dons just switched it off. Yeah, um... I mean, it was it was obviously a nightmare start. Uh, the the main thing I was kind of looking out for going, you know, to the game was, you know, just being interested to see how the Dons measured up against, uh, you know, an old firm test so early in the the team's journey. Because um, you know, as Jim Goodwin mentioned after the game, you know, these fixtures don't come around too regularly. It's not the the typical standard of opposition they face in the Premiership, but it's still you know a a game where Aberdeen are expected to show you know, some signs of uh, intent and, you know, after a start like that, it was really difficult to see how, um, you know, that was going to shape up. Um, it, it looked quite ominous after two, three minutes, but um, to be fair to them, they, they settled back into it reasonably well towards the, the end of the first half um, and, and gave off some quite encouraging indications that they can, you know, certainly hit on the counter quite effectively in, in these games. But um, it, as as you touch on with the structure of the, the team, it was kind of changed a little bit from the, you know, the team that, that played throughout most of the, the League Cup fixtures. And, um, you know, that's obviously going to be a problem against Celtic, given the, the, the Liam Scales situation. So, um, you know, they, they might have to, to sort of, you know, have a few more attempts before they they crack out exactly what they're they're going to do there. Yeah, Danny Povara, he, he obviously came into the team because McCrory had to go back into defence. He was, I believe, 
marking Stephen Welsh for the goal. Um, I think Anthony Stewart, although will go on, I'm sure, to praise his uh, anticipation and positioning and things like that at centre back. I mean, initially there were maybe maybe he should have been more alert to that danger as well. But I mean, it was it was Polvara's man, and I, I almost felt quite bad for for Polvara because. Last season, he obviously was signed across from US College football, um, which is a totally different level from the Premiership. He didn't; he's not really had that many um, chances to show what you can do. I think he's only had three three starts for the Dons in his time, and they all came during that sort of dismal period where you were just praying for the end of the season towards the end of last term. Um, the season basically been over for the team. To then, you know have that first start against uh, one of the Glasgow two down there at Parkhead, first day of the season. I mean, yeah, he should have been in the game. I think he showed maybe that he needs to be more physical. His position needs to be better. His awareness of the goal and his awareness throughout the game obviously needs to be better. But I did feel slightly bad for him in this situation. You know what I mean? I I was actually... I I mean, I... Yeah, I, I would agree with you in terms of the the general awareness and maybe some of the positioning, just when it came to you know both off and on the ball kind of scenarios. But um, I, I thought he showed some signs. He was jumping into to tackles with quite good intent and and getting himself stuck in as a guy of his size should be. So you know, I I did see attributes that made me think that he could be quite a, a you know a decent. An effective player for Aberdeen this season, but uh, you're right in in that it just seemed like a setting that he wasn't overly prepared for, which I suppose is a difficult thing to to achieve. Really, um, you know, given it's just how big a, a task it was on the some fans have suggested game. that to achieve, get him ready that they should send him out on loan to a championship game yeah. or something. For me, given his age, he's he's too old for 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 me. He's too old for that. I know he's not had that much experience of professional football, but I just, I just think that it's more opportunities to play for the Dons and see what he's made of. Do you not think though that he'll probably learn more from that experience um, on Sunday than probably any of his games so far for Aberdeen? Um, he'll have seen, you know, the level that he's got to aspire to. Um, if he wants to make an impression on Scottish football, because those are the type of games that you will get judged by. I mean, I think that we've all seen with Dante Povara so far that he's more a player that um, you know is going to work better in possession than out of possession but yeah. I mean it's been a big transition for him he had to obviously go in for um, a, what was a hernia a double hernia op um, when he came over um, so it was I mean it was interesting to see him get the get the call um, to start the game but um, I mean I think that's it's a bit of a show of faith from Jim Goodwin that he obviously you know rates him to put him into that um, that situation and maybe it wasn't his best game, but I imagine he'll be you know, so much better down the line for being in that situation. In terms of uh, the Dons, as you say, said, Andy, they did settle. They did, to start with, they were finding it very difficult to, when they got the ball, string more than a couple of passes together. But the positives for me were towards, the, as you say, the end of the first half. Um, they really started coming on a game. They really started threatening Selick on the break. Johnny Hayes probably should have scored. I don't think it was... As easy a chance to take as you know, he was he was kind of over to the it left was. side of the goal. It was it was an you easy did, chance. Did you think, Come on, yeah. Well, it we, was, all, it was. we shouldn't have taken a touch. We I think we'll all agree that he shouldn't have taken a touch. He should have hit it first time. Um, 
but yeah, Matty Kennedy, when they actually were playing and they got on, got him on the ball, he looks good. Um, you know, as he's been showing in the League Cup and stuff, he can get he can get the ball, he can beat he can beat a man one on one, he can get to the byline, he can get the ball in the box. Um, I thought Bazellin done that a few times as well when he moved out um, wide as opposed to he obviously starting the number ten. That maybe sometimes with Bazellin, his final ball could be a bit better, can have a few overhit crosses. Um, Miofsky, I mean, you don't want to see them pumping the ball long all season, but Miofsky, when they were pumping it long to ease that early pressure, you could tell that he's really good in the air. Like um, Carter Vickers, they couldn't get near him with every header he was going up for, which is, you know, maybe bodes well for those games against the Glasgow 2 later in the season when, you know, maybe the Dons will start a bit better. And as I said, yeah, Anthony Stewart at the back for his size, um, you know, it, it just shows you that it's not about size, really, if you're a centre-back. There's a way to be a centre-back and be um, a very good centre-back just through positioning, anticipation of the game, aggression, knowing what you're doing, basically. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, I mean, Anthony Stewart uh, is clearly a, a real leader, isn't he? Um, he's, he's just got that, that positional awareness and uh, and he knows where to, to put his body kind of on the, the line. That, that's so important, I guess, where... Uh, you know, as you mentioned, a game where Aberdeen are going to be under a fair bit of pressure. Um, I suppose the the downside that we speak of is that the, the player that he's likely to be playing alongside throughout most of the the season won't be partnering him in the the games against Celtic. Uh, you know, that's that's well documented now. But um, it just depends on on whether McCrory is going to be the the sort of long term solution in that regard, or whether we might see another centre-half brought in between now and the end of August. Um, but, no, Stewart certainly gives you that that sort of bedrock at the at the back um, and very encouraged with what I've, I've seen so far. I suppose just to go to your, your earlier point as well, I mean, the, I, I thought the Dons did look quite dangerous on the, the counter-attack. I saw, saw quite encouraging signs there. Um, even one of the, the passes that Ramadani made uh, towards the end of the first half it might have been the one that led to uh, Johnny Hayes' opportunity it was a lovely ball over the, the top for Bizawin initially um, as I say I'll be interested to see you know how the Dons look against a fellow Premiership side when the the expectations on them to, to carry a bit more of the ball um, because I suppose that's the test that we're we're probably looking at coming into the St Mirren game on, on Saturday but, this weekend um, that's what I was going to say yeah um, before that game, they'll probably sign somebody, Shaden Morris from Fleetwood Town, another winger. I suppose the question everyone's asking if Shaden Morris is coming in to play wide. It now looks like the Dons have enough wingers for about three teams, so you would expect maybe Connor McLennan would be, to me, an obvious one to move on at some point before the transfer window closes, as well as... I know he came on at the weekend, Marley Watkins, didn't he? But he hasn't, you know, as, as somebody that was previously considered, you know, a starter for the Dons, went fit and he hasn't been fit that often. But he could, to me, be another one that's maybe potentially going to move on this summer. Maybe, but I mean, you do, I mean, you need a squad. I think there's, they've obviously got probably, I mean, at least maybe one too many um, there if, if there's another new arrival coming in. Um, obviously, there's still, you know, a slight, Waiting game over Connor Ronan and his situation at Wolves. Um, you know, if he's allowed to go out and loan, then you know Aberdeen, I think, fancy themselves that they're still in 
in the race for that one. So, I mean, that could be another, you know, attacking midfield option um, to come in. So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you would expect that, you know, some of these players, they wouldn't be um, too content to sit and be bit part players over the um, over the coming season. Um, and you'd, you'd think as well that, you know, the Dons would probably be keen to, you know, have one or two out, whether that's to develop them or whether that's just to, you know, try and get them off the wage bill. In terms of, I mean, on that squad point, Ramirez not coming on at the weekend to me was a bit of a, a red flag in terms of his future. Given you know, given the Dons are two 0 down, they need to, you know, they they can take risks and try and get back in the game by you know putting attacking players on. But Duke obviously comes on as opposed to Ramirez. Ramirez stays on the bench. Uh, I I did wonder at one point whether what Goodwin might maybe do was you know throw on somebody like Jack Milne at the back, give him. You know that baptism of fire when you know there's nothing really to lose. Put McCrory back in midfield and try and you know, you know, do it that way. But yeah, I mean Ramirez at a certain point in the League Cup campaign, we're probably thinking, oh wait, maybe he is going to stay. But are we now back to thinking it's looking like he might move on? I think you might learn more from, I guess maybe you know the the upcoming games at Pataudry. Um Slightly different scenario where Aberdeen are going to be. You know, more of the ball, more attack-minded. Um, but, I mean, it certainly seems that, you know, Miofsky starting the season as the first choice. They spent, you know, a big chunk of money on him. Um, and in a game such as, um, you know, Sunday's one where you're not going to have that much of the ball, you're probably only going to be play one up front rather than two. And, I mean, the one thing that we've seen from um, Duke when he's came on is that he's got, you know, a load of uh, work rate. He'll chase down, he'll harry... Um, defenders put them under pressure and that's kind of different from Ramirez's game where he's more comes alive inside the box and maybe in that occasion just felt like well it's better to have someone up front who is going to you know run the channels put in loads of work and try and you know get the team up the park the the, the first home game of the season against St Mirren is obviously important because came off the back of the Premier Sports Cup campaign with basically universal positivity around the team the Celtic game, despite what Johnny Hayes said before it, was to most people's mind a free hit, especially if they, if they lose two nil. I mean, that's you know that's that's damages you can write off if you're Aberdeen um, over the course of a season. But they need to do they need to make a bit of a statement against St Mirren this weekend. Um, otherwise, I I imagine on social media afterwards if they if they lost the game this weekend a lot of that early positivity would evaporate. Very, very negative outlook there, Ryan. I mean, <laughs> I think... Would, it, it would. It would, yeah, I mean, obviously fans are going to be happy if they, you know, start the opening two uh, games of the season with a defeat. But, I mean, I think it was... I I was, I was, thought that there was a good chance that Aberdeen could do something against Celtic. Um, just because Celtic, I thought, were going to be a little bit undercooked going into that one. Whereas Aberdeen were, you know, a bit more up and running in terms of their preparations for the season. I mean, this one will be, this is an interesting game again, but you would fancy that, you know, Aberdeen should have enough to get the get the three points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there would understandably be frustration if that doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they'll be desperate to desperate to get the three points. But that's, um, that'll be, that'll start off as, as the expectation and you would fancy Aberdeen to, to be too strong for St Mirren. Okay, we'll see what happens. That's maybe the, the first, if we're doing another tally this week to see how many we can get right, that's maybe the first of our our wins for our signs so that we can put on the put on the list. Anyway, let's move on. After this short break, we'll discuss Ross County and Inverness. 
Andy, fine margins then at Tynecastle on Saturday. Uh, the county getting loads of plaudits for the way they played in the first half, but they just couldn't score. I've, I've said to as many people as will listen this week, and I'll say it now to even more people, uh, Awura Edwards, if he'd scored that goal where he knocked it round the man and then you know, went for the far top corner, came back off the crossbar, obviously, but if that had gone in, what a goal that would have been. Um, inches from goal of the season on the opening day, but he impressed, didn't he? I mean, County will just be, yeah, as I said, so frustrated. They couldn't couldn't score a goal and, you know, get themselves in front. I mean, if, if you're familiar with the, the Tynecastle press box, then, I mean, you're right behind that shot as he's uh, kind of weaving in from the left. And uh, I know it was just a, a brilliantly executed kind of move to, to get into the position and then he looked like he had done everything right. It was uh, a, a shame to see him not get the uh, the goal to celebrate at the end of it all. But, you know, that, that came at a time when County were all over hearts and, uh, you know, it really shocked the home crowd. It was a, a good kind of example or a good template, I suppose, of how County might approach some of the games against the, the teams up the top end of the league and, and really try and turn the, the home crowd or, or the visiting support, as will be the case this weekend, on, on the backs of the opponents. Um, because, you know, at that half-time, you know, everyone that I was speaking to was in universal agreement that County were really unfortunate not to be ahead, but the, the lingering, you know, kind of doubt that I had in my mind was, you know, have they passed up their... Their chances here, uh, you, you don't expect them to, to sustain that level of dominance at Tynecastle for, for 90 minutes, and uh, so it proved, unfortunately, for them in the end. Um, but, you know, the, they can clearly take part from the way that, you know, such a new team got into so many dangerous areas. Uh, you know, this this side is still in its infancy, and, you know, those, those kind of relationships at the top end of the park are only going to kind of develop as the, the season goes on. So it probably bodes well for, for some of the attacking threat that they can pose further down the line. I think Malky Mackay's already raised this in his pre-match press conference, but Celtic on Saturday up in Dingwall, I mean, first chance in the league for the county fans to see what their team can do. But for these new players, and there's a host of them, and they've all come from outside of Scotland, they're really getting a, um, an early view, aren't they? An early experience of what, what this Scottish football, you know, at its most challenging is all about. Yeah, it's something Malky Mackay speaks about quite a lot when he's bringing new players in, actually. Um, you know, he's obviously worked both south of the border and in Scotland. And, you know, he's he, he maintains that the, the sort of the scrutiny and the the hype around uh, football here is, is much greater than, you know, those players would get in the, the lower leagues in England. Um he uses it as a bit of a selling point and particularly when he's um, trying to sign players on loan from some of the bigger clubs in England uh, you know playing in in Scotland where everything's under the the microscope is quite a good preparation for what might follow in in, in their careers if they go on and, and and make it at the very highest level so it's um yeah obviously a huge test for for county this weekend um but the I mean they should take no fear into it they had sort of varying performances against Celtic last season. Obviously, weren't able to, to get any points from the, the four matches. They, they came their closest to to getting a point when uh, 
uh, Ralston popped up with the, the late winner in December. Um, and in a couple of the games that followed that, they were kind of struck by early blows, which, uh, you know, put them on the back foot from an early stage. So I would say avoiding that is, is their best approach at, uh, at trying to get something from from the game this weekend. So, sounds like you're saying free hit to me, Andy. Sounds, sounds like not sure. Your assessment. Loads of those going about. Uh, Chalky 1-1 from Inverness at the weekend against Queen's Park. Ambitious Queen's Park, we'll call them, uh, for the rest of this episode. But, I mean, is that an underwhelming start for for Inverness? Is it, a, is it a perfectly acceptable start? Obviously, Inverness have title aspirations, but I'm sure Queen's Park um, are firm in the belief that they can get up in certainly the playoff hunt. Yeah, Queen's Park have got high hopes under own coil. Um, they've got the investment uh, in, in a really capable squad. Simon Murray um, is their main man up top. And uh, the thing about Queen's, I think it maybe startled the Inverness fans just how well they played. Uh, Billy Dodds, the Inverness head coach, said after the, the game, they very much he gave a lot of praise last year to Wraith Rovers for the way they under John McGlynn set about their business going out to entertain and that's exactly what we've seen from Queen's Park and um, it was an error that let Queen's Park in when the, the ball went through uh, under Mark Ridgers in the net but he, at the same time he came back with some big saves in that match so it could have been a whole lot worse for Calitha so um, you know when you compare it to last season of course the Cali Jags were already out of the League Cup this time they're through with a, a game against Motherwell to come at the end of the month uh, one that they they're quite upbeat about, given the form of Motherwell uh, at the moment, already out of Europe. Um, from Cali Thistle, they did go out of the cup last year, but they turned in a terrific start to their championship campaign with six wins in a row. So, um, you know, they're already chasing their tail and up against Arbroath this weekend, the, the runners-up, who um, spoke to Ryan Essen this week, who touched on the Arbroath game, and he's saying that if you're wanting to win this title, uh, you need to be taking care of your direct rivals, um, you know, probably more so at home. Um, but if they, if they can take a point at the very least and make sure they beat Arbroath when they, they come up here. But if they, on the back of the dropping points against Queen's Park, they should be looking to go there to Arbroath and get the victory, the scene of uh, their semi-final success in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, that gives them confidence knowing that the last time the teams met. I mean, I mean, it was a tight one. It went to penalties, but um, they must, you know, they must be looking to just pick up where they left off. I suppose against Arbroath. No Kirk yeah, Rodfoot right. this time, though. No. Uh, no, no Kirk this time. But uh, one big thing for Cali this was the fact that three visits. They'll have eleven men. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. On, on the three visits to Gayfield last season, they didn't concede a goal. Uh, and that can, that included the extra time period as well. So, um, you know, the only t- time they were beaten by an Arbroath goal was in, in, the, in the wind and a, a stormy night in Inverness. So um, they, they're really looking forward to, to this one. I think they're, they, they're, they're embracing the favourites tag that a lot of people are giving them. You know, the bookies still fancy Dundee to be the team to come out on top. But Cali Thistle are saying right from the start that they, they're in it to win it this time. They don't want to go through the playoff pain of last season their, their only way to ensure Premiership football next season is to win this title and you know Kilmarnock won it last year they weren't convincing in, in, in doing so you know a change of management Derek McInnes 
you know, get the job done in the end when he replaced Tommy Wright. Um, but you've got to remember, Arbroath were only two points away from winning that title. It was a, a head-to-head uh, penultimate game that, that cost them their chance of going up as the champions. So Cali Thistle know the standard required. They were only 45 minutes away from doing it. So they're, they're going for the title. And winning at Arbroath would be a big statement this weekend. Elsewhere in the championship, Cove Rangers made their debut. Danny, you were there. 2-0 win over Wraith Rovers. I mean, we'd, we've, we'd talked, aren't we fools? I'm, I'm an eye of fool um, I mean, for a multitude of reasons, but mainly for saying that Cove Rangers were surrounded by a cloud of negativity and pessimism going into the, the championship campaign. And, you know, it's they've picked up certainly where they left off and... League One, uh, Mitch Meganson with both goals, I believe. Who'd have thunk it, as is my catchphrase nowadays for obvious goal scorers scoring goals. Um, but yeah, a fantastic start to life in the second tier for Cove. Yeah, it was a, it was a great day for them. It was a big crowd there, um, over 1,100 people at the Memorial Stadium, obviously with the, the championship flag being unfurled and um, Cove you know, made the most of the occasion. I think they would have encouraged a lot of people there to come back and see them again. It's the first time that I've been at the at the ground since they've put the you know temporary seating behind both goals. So um, it was you know interesting to see that, and it was really you know I was quite intrigued to see how Cove would shape up under McIntyre, how it would compare um, with Hartley. But it was a, it was an impressive performance, with the added caveat that I thought Wraith Rovers were terrible. Um, I mean shambolic defensively um, albeit with you know I mean one of the guys that could hold his head up high was um, Scott Brown the former Peace Red captain who was he was being played at centre half which is a position that's you know unusual to him he's much better as a centre mid bombing up and down and winning tackles Um, but they obviously had you know Christoph Berra retiring and they don't have you know, too many natural defenders in that squad at all. I think but it's Kyle Benedict has gone as well. So but they've lost Armland, yeah. yeah, and and they've got and I think I think on um on Saturday they only had, you know, one recognised um defender at the back. So um so they're I mean they're struggling and they're a bit desperate to, you know, make additions. But I mean Mitch Meganson, you know, he got two chances, um finished them both. Um, just kind of what he does, what we what we would expect from him, but it was the perfect start um, for them, and yeah, I think Kofoda came away from that feeling well that maybe you know we do belong in this league, and they'll take a lot of encouragement from going up against you know a full time team um, in Wraith, and they made Wraith look um, you know pretty ordinary, um, and but the Kof had to do you know. A lot of defending. It was a kind of gritty display, and then once they got the goals, they were sort of sitting in a bit and playing out from uh, on the counter. But yeah, it was it was good. But I think it'll be, you know, it's going to. I think Cove are kind of well aware that it's going to be a tough season, and they're just going to have to make the most of their home games. And when they come up against teams like Wraith, who maybe aren't um, on their best on the day, that they've got to take full advantage of that. I'm sure there will be setbacks over the course of the season. Um, can't imagine it going the same way as the the League One campaign the greatest will in the world. Um, but what what do you think within the Cove dressing room, what do you think they're saying is the target for the season? Obviously, externally, it'll be consolidation, stay in the division. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this chat at the weekend and I thought, you know, if you offered them eighth position with the management and players shake on it right now, I'm not sure. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. I, I mean, I think that 
you know, with Kovka, I think the, the squad still um, looks a little bit threadbare just now. Um, they had, I think, four fewer substitutes on the bench than Wraith at the weekend. Um, so they need to get players in if they're going to, you know, last the course over the over the coming season. I think it is, you know, consolidate in the league. Um, I, I think that is the first goal, just to make sure that they're still in this league again next season. Anything above that would be, um, you know, a bonus. But I think I think they will start the season. Just you know, let's 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 make sure that we're a championship side next season as well. Okay, they head to Morton this weekend, Cove. Right, next up, we'll have, we'll have a short break first and then we'll discuss, finally, Peterhead and Elgin City's openers. Right, Blue Tune Sign and Watch goes on. They've, Despite their desperation for additions, they've added a right-back, um, Max Gillies. That, yeah, Max Gillies. Um, over the last couple of weeks... That came before their 2-0 loss to Airdrionians to start the League One season. It actually sounded um, like Peterhead were reasonably competitive, didn't it? I think so. Um, I mean, I think Jack Newman, the goalkeeper, had quite a few good saves, which obviously means that you know could have the the losing margin could have been greater. But at the same time, you know, Jim McAnally's quotes suggested that in his post-match reaction suggested that there was aspects of the performance that. Um, that he was encouraged by. Um, I think they're obviously still having to play players out of position, such as you know Ryan Dow was having to play as more of a defensive midfielder, um, which probably isn't getting the best out of him. So, I mean, they're they're still trying to um, you know bring players in. They're desperate to do that. Um, they're playing guys out of position. Um, they've maybe not got as many attacking options as they would like. And um, I mean, they've got another tough game this weekend because you know they're playing against Clyde who you know picked Started up a 4-1 well. win at Queen of the South um, so and that was that was a kind of probably the you know the the big eye eye raising uh, result of the of the weekend I thought so um, so yeah so it's going to be tough again for Peterhead um, this weekend but I think yeah the priority just now seems to be you know getting players in getting some of those that aren't fit at the moment um Back involved, but um, but yeah, but it sounded like there were a few a few positives that could be taken, despite obviously not being the um, the result that Peterhead would have wanted to start the season. Quick poll: When when you're shocked, you raise your eyes or your eyebrows? Y- you know what I meant. Ola Adiemo, he was at Cove last season, attacker. He's at Peterhead now. You imagine he's going to over the course of the season get a lot more game time than he got at Cove last season for obvious reasons. Cove, you know. Were well endowed with strikers of pedigree, Mitch Meganson, Rory McAllister, who's obviously now left as well for Montrose. But Adiemo, at the moment at Peterhead, he's kind of their main recognised front man. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jim, Jim's kind of saying that he's yeah he's having to he's he's I mean Jim's kind of recognised that he's playing him more than he would probably want at the moment because he, like Ola's still trying to pick up his match fitness um, and but. The, the problem for Jim is that he just doesn't have, you know, the options to bring him out. And also, I think he's having to, you know, play a lot by him, by himself up there and not getting the support perhaps that he needs. And um, so, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I imagine it's probably a, a, a good experience for Alex. He's playing, you know, probably more football this season so far than what he has done, um, you know, in the last couple of seasons. But, um, 
but yeah, that's why Jim's kind of desperate to get get more people in because he'll want to you know freshen things up that up there and um, there's only so much you can expect from someone that hasn't played that much football um, over the last season or so. But it'll be interesting to see how many goals he can get this season. Anyway, Elgin three one defeat to start the league two campaign against East Fife. Sounded like the second goal Elgin conceded was um, one of those ones where, you know, all the defenders get a bit confused and it allows the opposition to score an easy goal. Darrell McHardy got the consolation for Elgin. Gavin Price said their defending was criminal in the game. It's just a, just a positive start we wanted to see from, from Elgin, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean we we spoke last week to Gavin about the uh, the opponents East Fife who'd, who who uh, we seen Andy Skinner seen that uh, East Fife been taken apart by Ross County the week before. East Fife have just dropped down from a level, so there was a bit of optimism perhaps in the Elgin camp that uh, you know despite going out of the the cup that um, you know that they could have got uh, a result or even got a point. On the board, but uh, no, it, it wasn't to be, and it's the, the same old story uh, for for Elgin uh, on on day one. But you know they're up against opponents in Stirling Albion this weekend, who also lost their opening fixture against uh, Dumbarton. So it's it's crucial now for Elgin, even this early on, just to get three points on the board, steal a march on, on a team, uh, a direct rival straight away, and try and climb the table. Um, you know as, as soon as as they can, and, and uh, you know, but uh, they've brought. Uh, bolstered their uh, coaching squad this week with uh, Charlie Charlesworth uh, coming in as well so um, he joins Jim Weir uh, in, in the coaching set up there so uh, yeah big one for Elgin straight away but uh, yeah we'll see how that one goes I seem to remember last season anytime Elgin were in desperate dire need of a victory uh, they would come up against Sterling Albion and uh, they tended to get it so uh, make of that what you will for uh, for this weekend <laughs> Is uh, Charlie Charlesworth? What what is his exact role? Is he coming in a, as like a kind of first ten minutes of the second half coach? Or <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, he's he's got experience actually working at Elgin before as part of the the youth setup. So I think although he's first team coach, given Elgin have got a few kind of you know younger players that they're hoping to sort of bleed into the first team, he's going to sort of help with that transition and that that pathway. Uh, there's your serious answer. <laughs> I think that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal then. Thank you to Paul, Andy and Danny for joining me. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Dan. Cheers, Ryan. Thank you. If you've liked this episode of Northern Goal, you can follow, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. If there's anything you've heard today that has made your eyes raise with shock and horror, you can email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and finally enjoy whichever games you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.